The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Okay, play ball. Welcome into Payoff Pitch, Action Network's baseball betting podcast presented by BetMGM. Our division previews continue. National League West. Very excited to talk about this one. A lot of movement by one team in particular in the offseason. Brendan Glasheen, Sean Zarillo, Anthony DeBundo. Good to have you with us. During the season, you can follow Payoff Pitch Podcast. Search it in the Action Network app. We have an account that is dedicated to the pod when we give out picks. More info on that as the season nears. Also, our MLB off-season betting update episode is available. Sean Zarello, Colin Whitchurch break down some of the new rule changes and some potential edges early on when the season begins in April. So National League West, Dodgers, you both have a lot of thoughts on this team. Dodgers are minus 120 to win the NL West this year. Their win total at BetMGM set at 96 and a half. Last year, Dodgers won 111 games. They were knocked out of the playoffs early, falling short. They soared over their projection of 98 and a half wins. Dodgers have, they're always there. They're always right in the mix. Um, But I'm curious now with the Padres improving, which we'll get to them. What kind of angles, Zarillo, and I know DeBundo, I think, has similar thoughts. You have some angles in terms of how you want to fade the Dodgers this year. I do, and I think there's one way in particular that is better than the others. I would lean to the under on their win total, but it's not personally a bet for me. I made it 95.7. The market is at 96.5. Zips is at 88.3, so they would certainly recommend an under. And when Fangraphs is that far away from a win total... I think it tends to be right. I actually have a plan to go back and go through all of these different projection systems and see when they have an outlier projection to that degree, when it's, you know, eight wins off from a win total, how successful the individual systems are, or if taking the average, which is usually how I do it, is still the best approach. And taking the average, 
the market still likes the under by about 2.2 wins here, including my projection. If you just look at Davenport, Dakota, Fangrass, it's under by 3.7. So you can go under on the Dodgers at about 96 and a half, 97. I would personally prefer about 97 and a half or higher if I'm going to bet they're under. And again, we talked about this on the NLEs podcast as well with a team like the Mets. Not too many people are coming in and betting the under on the Dodgers season win total. Maybe that'll change this year with the way Anthony and I and perhaps other people are seeing this stack up. But I don't think this number is going to go down. I think it goes up, if anything. So wait until closer to opening day if you like the Dodgers under and consider betting it. The thing is, this team could have won 116 games last year. That was their Pythagorean total. And with a little bit of luck, that means they could have broken the single season wins records. That's still a big fall to take, but their roster does not stack up anywhere near what it did going into last year. So yes, it's a, it's a lean under for me. I think there is a better way to bet against them. We will get to that in a second, but I believe Anthony and I are on a similar page with being down on the Dodgers this year. Yeah. DeBundo's got to call him up right now. Win total picks. He highlights four teams, Marlins, White Sox, D-backs, and the Dodgers. They're the last team in the article. And I think the, the word you use, DeBundo, is vulnerable. This is a vulnerable baseball team. You like the win total under. Why? I mean, if you just look at the roster, the opening day team from last year to the opening day team this year, they lost their starting shortstop to free agency. They lost their starting third baseman to free agency. They lost their starting center fielder to a non-tender. And who's the big signing? J.D. Martinez is probably you know the one, the one key ad. And uh, Martinez, I expect a bounce back from him. But he was not a peak J.D. Martinez last season uh, in Boston. A slight downgrade in hitting environment for him too. So, you know, what what kind of J.D. Martinez are we going to get? I don't know. They lose Gavin Lux for the season to an ACL injury just last week, which is a huge loss. I think they're turning to Miguel Vargas at second base. I don't know how good he's going to be defensively at second base. I think that's a major concern. Max Muncy at this stage of his career at third base is a big red flag for me. Trace Thompson in center. Like these are all like Miguel Vargas is a rookie. I like him long-term, but you know, as a rookie, like what's his real upside? I'm not sold on him overall uh, as like being anything more than just like a slightly above league average hitter left field. David Peralta is fine, but not moving the needle. So I think there's just like a lot of league average positions in a lineup for a team that's going to supposed that's supposed to win 96 plus games that would have to win, uh, you know, that to get over. So I did bet the under for the Dodgers. It's never fun. But even the pitching, one, you know, I trust them. They're a bit of a pitching factory in terms of finding guys and fixing them and whatnot. The latest project is Noah Syndergaard. The reports are that he's got more velo out of spring training. I want to see that before I believe that. If he doesn't find at least two or three ticks minimum, uh, he had one of the worst fastballs in the league last year and got hit pretty hard most of the season. So I think, you know, Syndergaard is a back-end starter. Is shaky. Clayton Kershaw is great when he pitches, but again, can you count on him for more than 120 innings? I wouldn't. So you look at this rotation, Tony Gonsolin, we've talked about as a, as a negative regression candidate on this show since, since this show began. Now he doesn't get the shift as much. Uh, and like I said, the infield defense, like Miguel Rojas, probably the shortstop every day right now for them. So you're looking at an infield of Miguel Vargas, Miguel Rojas, uh, Max Muncy, like how many, yeah, you know, like they're not getting plus overall production probably at you know two and a half of those positions. So I, I just think there's a lot of holes. 
uh, and and you know the name brand of the Dodgers is very good, but this win total isn't that much different than what they were last season, and so I'm going to go under, even though last year's team overperformed massively. Look at the contributions they got from Andrew Heaney, Gonsolin, Trey Turner, all of them are gone, and so I think there's going to be a drop off for sure. And Dodgers yeah, like can't it- shift that defense either. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, they've got a new shortstop uh, in Rojas. Right. And he will not participate in the World Baseball Classic, which we uh, talked about on the Action Network podcast, the WBC preview. So Rojas is prioritizing his new role. But I'm glad you brought up Cindergard. Zerillo, that was one of our favorite guys to talk about last year. Yeah, he's uh, he's certainly hopped teams. We ended up betting on him, I believe, in the playoffs. We also bet his strikeout total under, which was delightful. I believe they set that at three and a half in a game where he was clearly not going to go more than two innings. And he got to two in the first inning and we were all sweating it. <laughs> so that was a fun bet in the playoffs last year. It was an adventurous season with Noah Syndergaard, lots of ups and downs. But I'm I'm curious to see what the Dodgers do because the Dodgers do not make dumb signings. They're a pretty smart baseball team. And it did catch my attention when they signed Noah Syndergaard because that to me said, okay, maybe there's something left in the tank that we're all missing. We'll see. We'll see what they're able to get out of him. I don't doubt the Dodgers in their player development. I mean, he has good command and a bunch of pitches. Uh, but if you just don't have a fastball, how good can you be? But if he has the fastball back, you know, he is further and further from Tommy John. So, like, there's a chance he gets a couple ticks back and instead of sitting 93, it's 95. Like, that's interesting. But uh, I'll be a skeptic until he proves otherwise. For sure, and I'm I'm sure we'll be betting against him plenty this season, but we'll see what the numbers look like in, when he gets in front of the, you know, the the radar guns. Well, uh, real quick before we move on, reportedly Syndergaard, he's he hasn't been throwing all that hard here in in spring training. Like it's been 91, 92, maybe ninety three. So take that for what it's worth. And with the clock too, right? I mean, Zarilla brought that up on the preseason pod. You can't rev back when you're on a clock. You get it right back on the rubber and and throw. But anyway, that's enough Noah Syndergaard discussion. I just get excited when it just it makes me think about October again and fading him during the season. Okay, where where to start with the Padres? San Diego making a ton of moves in the offseason. They land Bogarts, Nelson Cruz, Carpenter, Lugo, Waka. They've got some uh they've loaded up, right? They've spent a lot of money. They give Machado the extension. They're at plus 115 at Bet MGM to win the NL West. Bet MGM win total set at 93 and a half. Last year, Padres won 89 games and they went just a sliver over their projection of 88 and a half. Zerillo, as you adhered to, your way of fading the Dodgers is to jump in on the Padres. How will you do so? Yeah, I'm about a win low on the Dodgers win total relative to the market and about a win and a half high on the Padres. So I essentially make this division a pick them. Plus 115 is about where I'd bet it down to. That's roughly where I would have it projected. I just think once the Padres get Joe Musgrove back eventually after he probably misses a few starts with the broken toe, but then Tatis back after 20 games, I think this team is going to take off. So if they are a similar price or even short minus money because they built up a small lead by the time that those two were coming back, I would look to invest more in the Padres. But certainly right now, preseason, there's some numbers as high as plus 140 out there. Shop around for the best number. There's definitely some good prices available on the Padres. I was heavy on the Dodgers divisional odds last year. Their win total over 97 plus or 99 plus games. Really like the Dodgers last year. 
This year, I do think the teams are within a win of each other going into the season. Some projections like Zips, like the Padres, about five wins more than the Dodgers, and that was even before the Gavin Lux injury, I believe. Pakoda is about three wins higher on the Dodgers than the Padres. I still have the Dodgers as the second best team in the NL behind the Braves. I have the Padres right in between those two, so or right below those two, I should say. On top of the Padres divisional bets, which I do think is the best way to fade the Dodgers and ride the Padres. I also like the Padres pennant and World Series bets as well, which correlate. I would have them if they beat the Dodgers, finishing with the second best win total in the National League, which would mean they would get the bye. They would be one series closer to winning the pennant and obviously winning the World Series. So all of that correlates. I have, as we talked about on the Annalise pod, pennant World Series divisional bets on the Braves, but I like the same thing for the Padres, I just have a little bit more allocated to the Braves. DeBundo, similar thoughts? See some value in the Padres if you're low on the Dodgers? Yeah, I, I mean, naturally, you know, it's kind of give and take, like Zrilla said. Uh, it's hard for me to get a grasp on what this team really is because I think there is one major question mark, and it is the status and health and ability of Fernando Tatis. He has not played baseball in a year and a half. And I'm worried about the shoulder. He's going to be playing a new position. It looks like he's going to play potentially corner outfield. Um, so the defense could be a learning curve there. And that could be a problem. Of course, Tatis put up these incredible numbers, but when you combine, you know, the wrist with the shoulder, I think you start to get into the point where sometimes, uh, you know, a player just never is quite the same. And that is absolutely a risk for a player like Tatis. And so I'm, I'm concerned about that. I think that is a big question mark. We just won't kind of know until he starts playing baseball again. And then even then it might take him time, you know, getting back. I mean, he was in the middle of rehabbing last year when he ultimately went down or got suspended. So I think that's the biggest question mark. Otherwise it's hard to disagree with Sean. I mean, the bullpen looks excellent. You know, Josh Hader had the blip last year, but looks like he's, you know, found his form again toward the end of the season. Robert Suarez, one of the better setup men, the starting pitching has more depth this year because of Waka Lugo and Martinez. Whereas last year, you know, the, the two playoff games that that really hurt them uh, were, you know, games started by Mike Clevenger and Sean Manaya, who, and they both got, you know, kind of rocked in Philly. And then even against the Dodgers, they got rocked there. So I think having, you know, capable guys to give you three or four innings in a playoff environment is, is more beneficial. So uh, there's not a lot of holes, you know, maybe like the back end of the lineup, like Hassan Kim, and Trent Grisham and Austin Nola are like kind of meh, like, you know, you could poke holes, but like, this is a better lineup than the Dodgers for sure. So, you know, how, where are the Dodgers better this season than the Padres, Sean? Like, I don't think there's anywhere. Now the, the Padres have more top end talent too. You know, I, I reiterate it, but they have on a projected per inning basis, the number one player in the National League in Juan Soto, the number three player in Fernando Tatis Jr. And then you go down the list, Machado's top 15, Bogarts is top 15. The top four in their lineup is basically what the Dodgers had last year. And then I think they have comparable depth to what the Dodgers had last year as well. So if this Padres team wins 100 games, I wouldn't be surprised at all. The one difference between the two teams is that the Dodgers have a little bit more top end talent in the high minors that they can either bring up or use for trades for other pieces. The Padres kind of emptied the system last year for Soto. So I don't think they're going to be able to improve as much in the, in season as the Dodgers might be able to. 
But ultimately, I don't think it's going to matter, especially when you consider Tatis is like getting a free agent 20 games into the season. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Baseball season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado DC Kansas Louisiana Nevada Wyoming or Virginia 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana Maryland New Jersey or West Virginia 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York Call or text Tennessee Redline at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's go to the Giants. The San Francisco Giants, they had a a rough go of it uh, last year. The Giants, plus 1,200 to win the NL West. They won 81 games last year. Their win total projection was at 85.5. So, I mean, not woeful, but underachieved. Their win total for 2023 at BetMGM is 80.5 wins. Zerillo, the Giants. I remember you talking about this team last year quite a bit, about how horrible they are defensively what else about them with that being said what's the appropriate angle you'd like to take how do you feel folks are valuing or not valuing the giants they also had an awkward offseason as well they tried to get aaron judge tried to get carlos correa missed out on both of those guys there's a chance they could have had both and we'd be talking about them as a serious contender so I totally yeah, forgot they ran on Judge. It's That's it's right. amazing. He was, I believe, he was in San Francisco when he announced that he was going back to the Yankees. It it seemed yes. like it was coming down to the wire between the Giants and the Yankees. So, yeah, unfortunate that the Giants weren't able to get him and sort of accelerate or stabilize the back end of this run that they've been on. Accelerate the next run that they want to be on. They ended up signing Michael Conforto, so that's a bit of a speculative play. Guys like Mitch Hanniger, Sean Manaya, who we just talked about, uh, Ross Shipling added to the rotation as well. So I think the Giants sort of solidified and can continue what they've been doing the past few years. They're not going to get back, most likely, to that 101 season that they had two years ago that came out of nowhere. And that was largely defensive-driven. They were 11th in defensive run saved that year. Last year, they were the worst defensive team in baseball. Minus 53. 
that does not bode well for 2023 with the new rules without defensive shifting. The Giants were one of the first teams to really adopt shifting, which led in part to their World Series run and all of their success in the early mid 2000s. Um, uh, you may see them completely fall apart without that benefit of the shift. So Zips likes the over. They have them at 84 wins. Everybody else kind of recommends a pass. I do trust the people there. I think they're really smart. The people running that front office, former Dodgers execs. I think the Giants are headed in the right direction just for this year. I don't really see them getting above a back-end wild card spot, and even that might be a bit of a reach. Debundo, any interest in uh, playing the Giants? Where do you where do you look to with this team? Yeah, I've got nothing. I think it's really <laughs> interesting because they could be boom or bust. Uh, they're betting on some guys to have bounce back seasons. So. You know, Brandon Crawford and Lamont Wade had like career years in 2021 and kind of carried them to along with, you know, like a Brandon Belt type. All their, you know, platoony sort of everyday guys all had breakout seasons at the same time and and really at, were at the top end of their like percentile range of what you'd expect. And then all of them kind of flipped last year. I mean, Wade was terrible. Crawford was one of the worst shortstops in baseball and was de- defensively and at the plate 87 WRC plus. And then they went out and signed three huge question marks, but three players that I think are really interesting. Conforto hasn't played baseball in over a year. So that's a huge red flag. You know, we don't know what we're going to get. He wasn't really a part of, uh, you know, the Mets at all. And then there was the training, you know, the injury, was he hurt? Was he not? He couldn't get uh, rehab because of the lockout. So that was a huge thing. Like, we don't really know what we're getting from Conforto. What we do know is that he can be a, a well above average league hitter when he's right. And the same is true of Mitch Hanniger and the same is true of JD Davis. Uh, but Davis was battling injury for parts of last season as well. And he even re- talked about how the lockout hurt him in the off season because he wasn't able to get the same kind of treatment and rehab that uh, he, for his injury that he was de- dealing with. Uh, and Mitch Hanniger missed about half the season, not a great hitting environment for him given his, you know, his style, but he's still an above average hitter. So I think, you know, those three guys plus Jock Peterson, like they could all click and and I wouldn't be surprised to see the giants upwards closer to 90 wins, but there's also a world where uh, these players who they bet on to, you know, find resurgent years after down years and, you know, Wade Crawford, Hanniger, Conforto and Davis just don't get there. And then they're much worse. So I think, you know, net net, it's probably right around even they did lose Carlos Rodon. They added Sean Manaya. Manaya's looked great on the, on the, he's been like the buzz of uh, spring training because he's throwing like 96 after he went to driveline. And so he's got improved velocity and the Giants have done a very good job of improving pitchers. They did it with Alex Cobb uh, and he improved last year. Ross Stripling is an interesting, you know, back end of the starter rotation guy. But from a betting perspective, I think this number is right around where I would expect it to be. And uh, I think they're going to end up fourth in the division more likely than not because of the team next that I love. I didn't even talk about the guy who I think might be the best starting pitcher in the division, not Zach Gallon on the Diamondbacks, but Logan Webb on the Giants. I think at 40 to one, Webb is potentially worth a Cy Young bet. My only concern is that the Giants defense might eat him alive. So Webb right. definitely underrated at that price point, just going to have horrible defense behind him. Yeah. So we'll go to, let's go to DeBundo first. Cause again, we, I, I keep referencing the, the guys have great info up on the, on the app and also, on the uh, on the website actionnetwork.com debundo has a win total column up and one of the I mentioned a couple teams I think White Sox Dodgers um etc just a couple more but one of the other teams that he has on here is the, is the Diamondbacks and 
I found this really interesting to Bundo because you're not talking, I mean, you do get to these eventually, but your lead off thought on this actually relates to the rule changes in major league baseball with the bigger bases and the pitch clock and guys running stolen base attempts. They're up in spring training and you're actually using that data to make a case for the diamondbacks win total over explain. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the projected team that they're going to be rolling out this year, they have about as much speed as anybody in baseball. Uh, Jake McCarthy, I know Sean has mentioned, we, we talked off air about him being a potential leader in the in the entire league in stolen bases. Uh, he projects for upwards of 25 stolen bases. Corbin Carroll, he's projected to hit third in this lineup, potentially. Uh, Corbin Carroll is the rookie. He's one of the rookie year favorites in the National League. He is the fastest player in baseball by sprint speed. He doesn't have a ton of stolen base attempts, but there's no reason he couldn't steal more bases, given his speed and and. I mean, if you watch him run, it's a, it's really incredible. Uh, you think Trey Turner is cool to watch run. This guy's even faster. Uh, Carroll could steal, you know, 20, 25 bases. And then you go down to Josh Rojas, who's the projected third baseman for this team. And he's a guy who could easily steal 20 again. So they have a ton of speed in this lineup. Alec Thomas, uh, excellent defender, can also uh, run a little bit too. And, and so for the fact that stolen bases are up, pretty considerably thus far attempts in spring training relative to last year's spring training gives me an indication that they're going to look to run. Uh, and I think they have a huge uh, potential to steal a lot more bases. They were also one of the best defensive teams in the league last year. And they, Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, uh, McCarthy, Rojas, Christian Walker at first base was a gold glove level first baseman last year. There's all kinds of reasons to think that uh, they're going to be a great defense, even with the shift. Uh, being taken away. So defense and speed, putting a ton of pressure on defenses and opposing teams. I think that's going to be a huge advantage. And then the other reason I'm really high on Arizona, I don't necessarily think the lineup is particularly deep. I love the back end of this rotation. They have three pitchers who I think will all pitch for the Diamondbacks in 2023. And I think they're all underrated by the projection systems because for various reasons. Brandon Fott is the guy who's getting the most juice out of spring training. He has a fastball that would rate based on the, the stack cast numbers, the uh, the machines he's pitched in front of in spring training would rate as a top 10 fastball in baseball. And then he has a slider that would be the fifth best slider in baseball by spin rate and stuff. Plus that's really impressive. And then you look at his numbers in, in uh, AAA last year, he threw 167 innings across two different levels, double a triple a. He gave up a ton of homers, but also had really impressive strikeout minus walk rates you have to remember, he played in Reno in AAA. It's the PCL. There's just a ton of homers there. Uh, he throws a lot of high fastballs. If they get hit, they go and they leave the yard. It's just a really hard hitting environment or pitching environment in yep. in those leagues, the upper levels in Arizona. And now he goes to Arizona where it's a pretty depressed hitting environment. And I think if he keeps the ball in the yard, he's going to be really, really good uh, and potentially could you know pitch to a you know mid three ERA. He also threw 167 innings last year. So I'm not worried about him getting capped. So there's him, Dre Jamison and, and Ryan Nelson are pitchers. We saw last year too. Both of them, uh, Nelson, more stuff. Jamison uh, has a bunch of different pitches, both impressive in their limited samples that they pitched graded out. Well, uh, like, like I said, the minor league numbers were not that great on either, but again, it's the PCL, the homers are just insane there. So, you know, I think that they have a good chance to pitch really well. And 
those three plus Gallon, Bumgarner, Kelly makes for a really deep and really underrated rotation. So pitching, defense, speed, a little bit of pop in the lineup. I love the Diamondbacks over. A little bit too much. I'm starting to get nervous that it's like too easy. But I love the Diamondbacks over in 2023. I know we're, we're going to sound like broken records too because we've talked about the schedule changes. The other thing for Arizona, you don't have to face the Padres and the Dodgers as often as you normally would. So that bodes well. Um, Zarillo, we'll get, let you get uh, get in on this conversation um, it seems to me, based on your write-up and your projections on Arizona, you're not quite sold yet on these younger pitchers. You might need to see a little bit more. Um, and, and Madison Bumgarner, the Diamondbacks don't have enough flexibility to make tweaks and get more established prime pitchers at the top. You're, you're not all, all that into Bumgarner and these young guys quite yet. Yeah, it's it's more so that they're just going to be stuck giving innings to Bumgarner and Davies. I would rather the pitchers like Fott, like Jamison, like Ryan Nelson, be getting these innings, getting developmental innings at the major league level and giving them upside innings at the major league level. I know what Madison Bumgarner is. I know what Zach Davies is at this stage of their careers there's not much upside there. And that is what is ultimately going to drag them back down and drags their projection back down below 500. I would lean to the over here. I love Anthony. Everything Anthony said about defense, their speed in the outfield is tremendous. Alec Thomas is the slowest of the three outfielders and he's the best defender in center field. So they have a very dynamic team. Nick Ahmed missed almost all of last year when healthy. He's one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. I do think they're a year away from making that jump. I don't think they're going to make a wild card run this year, but I do think this is always the fun year before it gets this starts to get serious that a lot of organizations go through where you can see the turnover into the competitive team that it's about to become because all the prospects are starting to hit the majors at the same time. I think the key for them is going to be once Jordan Lawler unseats Nick Amatic shortstop, that might be next year. Really good defender, a lot of power. He's just going to hit for a very low average, but he's going to do some exciting things at shortstop. And a lot of people like Waller, but he is sort of your indicator that they are ready to compete. Once he comes up, I would imagine next offseason, they have not spent money in a while. Next offseason, they might finally invest a little bit of money into this team, a little bit of money into that bullpen, and this team might start to ascend with the pitching depth and the prospects it has. So I do like their where, where they're headed. I just think for this year, they're stuck giving some innings to some guys I do not love on the pitching staff. Yeah, and no, I'm not going to make the case that Bumgarner's good. That's not for sure. But uh, he was a, he was a mid-level back-end starter last year. He was capable at well, times. Strom is the best position coach in baseball. Their pitching coach came over from the Astros, and you saw immediately the entire Merrill pitching Kelly. staff take off. So Yeah, Merrill Kelly. And, and one interesting thing, you know, the bullpen was horrifying last year, and that was the reason they lost a lot of games. They were actually, per Bet Labs, the one of the most profitable F5 teams in the whole league. Now, they haven't done anything like Zarillo said. They haven't really improved the bullpen whatsoever, mm-hmm. but just random variants and you know you find a random guy here or there and your bullpen probably regresses back toward league average. That's just naturally what happens with bullpens. And so I don't think they're going to be a bottom three bullpen again. If they're just like a bottom 10 bullpen, uh, that's a few wins right there uh, that they you know blew last season. Every game... It felt like the seventh inning was when the the gallon would go in, shove for seven innings. They'd be up two one, and then two run homer off Melanson, three two loss. Like that happened way too much last year. And the proper way to develop the guys, 
I mean, this is what the Cardinals would do to develop the guys like Jamison, like Fott, is you take them and put them in your bullpen and you make them firemen and you let them go through the lineup once and you give them a few days off and you manage their innings by letting them go through a lineup three innings at a time instead of starting them and making them go five or six innings. And eventually you stretch them out and you have them for the end of the year. That's something that an organization like Cardinals has done for years and years and years. If they really want to compete this year, that's something they should do with their bullpen. I'm waiting to actually bet it to see what we're going to get more tea leaves on whether he's going to make the opening day rotation. But even if they don't go with this youth movement, they're going to have one spot available. It's, you know, Gallon, Kelly, Bumgarner, Davies. The fifth spot is open. If Brandon Fott is going to be the fifth guy, I will have a Cy Young future, or excuse me, rookie of the year future on him. Uh, you can find, I think, 65, 70 to one. If the innings are there, if he gets the spot, he can pitch the innings. And I think he has the stuff to really break out and wow people. I know it's a competitive field. I know pitchers rarely win, but this is a dart we're talking about long range here. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting a little bit more on, on the news to see what we get out of Diamondbacks camp, but looking to play FOT for rookie of the year. Okay. And lastly, definitely lastly, the Colorado Rockies, one of the uh, teams that has one of the fewest win total projections across the board. When you look around the Rockies over at Pocota, 64 and a half, they're down there with like Washington and Oakland and the Royals. Anywho, the Rockies win total on BetMGM is 65 and a half. Last year, they won 68 games. They barely hit their win total under of 69 and a half wins. Didn't see much from either of you on this team uh, when it came to the preview or any best bets or, or anything you liked. I mean, I guess what I would like to ask about the Rockies is maybe teams that play the Rockies at Coors Field. Um, it's it's a way for us to talk about the ballpark, which is always a fun discussion because of the uh, all the runs that are scored there. But what do you got for thoughts on the Rockies before we wrap this up? If I remember correctly, their bullpen was actually pretty decent last year, and they ended up locking down a lot of games that seemed like they were headed over early, and that was very annoying. They got nothing from Chris Bryant <laughs> last year. Uh, full season yep. from Chris Bryant maybe changes their outlook, gives them a little bit of a boost. They only got 40 games from him. Still don't know really why they signed him after refusing to sign Trevor Story. Just there was, bizarre... there, wasn't, wasn't there some Chris Bryant like MVP hype for them like for a little bit? Last year. I don't remember if he I mean, started early in the season. Yeah it's, yeah. it's possible he might've started out hot and then got injured. Cause he, I mean, he finished with like a decent line for the 40 games he played, but I don't remember which portions of the season he actually played in. But yeah, I mean, my, my projection dropped by four and a half wins. Their win total dropped by four wins. I it was no bet last year. It's no bet for me this year. Pretty much all the projections are right in line with their total. So it's a pass on the Rockies, a team like the Royals, who I feel like I never have any particularly positive or negative things to say. I actually did bet the Rockies under 69 and a half last year, now that I come to think of it. So it dropped this year. It's a pass for me. Okay. DeBundo, I think this was a team, this was the least favorite, your least favorite team you wanted to talk about? Like least interesting. Day? Yeah. I would least rather I'd rather watch the A's because like they have fun young pitchers. Uh, and some interesting prospects that are going to play. Zico Tovar is fun. Looks like he's going to be the everyday shortstop for the Rockies. Brendan Rodgers is hurt already. The starting pitching, Herman Marquez used to be one of my favorite pitchers in baseball, but his stuff has dropped and his numbers have gone the very wrong direction in the last 
a uh, few years. And so uh, the last really year and a half since the pandemic, he's really fallen off. Charlie Blackman is old. Uh, CJ Chrome will be a fun dinger Tuesday pick, but it's, it's really hard to uh, make a case for them why you should watch the Rockies. I mean, Michael Toglia maybe comes up. He's interesting, sort of. Uh, they don't really have any future direction. I, I would almost bet the under just to hate watch them this year, just because I think that they are everything that's wrong with baseball right now. Uh, they don't, they're not doing analytics. They're not, you know, paying players as much as they're deserved. Uh, their only offseason real addition was Daniel Bard, who had a great season, but I wouldn't Good bank story. on that again. I wouldn't bank on that again at Coors. And so the bullpen probably regresses. They're probably worse. Bryant might stay healthy, but given his age and history probably won't. So I'm out on, on the Rockies in all shapes and forms. And now that I'm you know going through this diatribe, I may go place an under just to spite them. It's funny. I'm reading Zerillo's projections from last year, entering the 2022 season. Any under wager on the Rockies correlates to my over wager on Arizona. So it's like you're taking that sentence from Zerillo and putting it into action. And yes, uh, Zerillo, you took them under 70 wins last year. And, uh, you said you'd ponder at 69 and a half. And obviously looking at the number now, we're not anywhere near that, um, with this team. Was it last year or two years ago where they had that insane home record where they won like, and they had, they won like 11 games on the road all season. Two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. Their win total right now, I bet MGM 65 and a half. Okay. Before we go, Zarello, I think you may have had, I know you talked about the Giants, uh, pardon me, the uh, Padres quite a bit on their uh, NL West future pennant World Series. I think you had a, stat, a couple of stat leader ones you wanted to give out Soto, Mookie Betts. I'm not sure we got to those. Yeah. Uh, for most runs, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. I still think the Dodgers are score runs. I'm just low on their pitching relative to previous years. Bets on a per plate appearance basis is the best run scorer in all of baseball. He's a phenomenal base runner, advances from first to third better than anybody else. He projects so well for run scoring. So even though he is amongst the favorites for runs leader, 11 to one, I still like Mookie Betts, 18 to one, Freddie Freeman, a lot of similar reasons. Uh, but the Padres are my favorite bet in the division, obviously for divisional odds, pennant. But the things that correlate to that would be Juan Soto. And Juan Soto two years ago was around plus 750 to win MVP. Last year, he was plus 300 and the favorite. He projects just as well this year as he projected last year relative to his peers in the National League. The closest players to him in terms of production per plate appearance are Will Smith, the Dodgers catcher, and Fernando Tatis Jr., his teammate, who's going to miss 20 games and largely won't be able to compete with him for the award. So... Juan Soto, some concerns about athleticism, injuries last year. His plate discipline is otherworldly, though. And I do expect a power breakout coming at some point. He's 50 to 1 for home run leader. I think that's interesting. I just expect him to get on base a lot. And Manny Machado at 25 to 1 to be the RBI leader and constantly driving Soto in, I think is a solid bet as well. So those stat leader bets, awards bets on the Padres. And I think looking at Soto's odds for the MVP market relative to where he was last year, it's absolutely a buy at six to one. It was a sell at three to one, but I'm back in at the current price. All right. I think that's it. Debundo, anything else? You good? Not much. I hope Soto swings more. He is Did almost you... too good of a hitter. I told this to Zerillo, like if he, if he walked like 3% less and just went for more power, I think he'd be, uh, he, that's when you'll see the, the leap that the projections suggest could happen. 
where he just like goes bonds for a year. I think it's and, very possible. And that's the kind of guys I want to bet on for home run leader. We all know the talent is there. We see how hard he hits the ball. We know how smart he is about what he swings at. I bet Vlad Guerrero Jr. at 51 two years ago, the projections would not have recommended him as a home run leader bet. But sometimes you just bet on the talent in that market at those prices because you know that great players can make drastic changes and start hitting the ball in the air more. So he's always tended to too many ground balls. Maybe we just see a different Juan Soto with a new team at some point. Okay. I think Tabundo also, when you were explaining Zarello, was betting that Rockies under. So that could be what we're yep. going to And I'm thinking just, about the snakes over. I really want to bet it. I really do. I just... If if you could guarantee me Bumgarner's not getting more than like 12 starts, Davies isn't getting more than 15 starts, I would be in. But I'm worried they get full seasons just because they want to pay the guys, you know, and, and make them work for what they're paying them. All right. However you found this podcast, everybody, you can find the rest of our MLB division betting previews, division by division breakdown on the Payoff Pitch podcast. We are Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. For Anthony DeBundo, Sean Zarello, Brendan Glasheen, uh, look forward to more. Thanks for listening. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.